Mark A. Altman, Darren Docterman, Ashley Edward Miller. Three fans who became professionals and then became... Trexperts. Inglorious Trexperts. Listen wherever you find podcasts or go to trexpertsplus.com. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman of Inglorious Trexperts and the 430 Movie. And if you're a fan of our podcast, you don't want to miss Deck 78, available now by subscribing at trexpertsplus.com. This is a bonus podcast full of great discussions about popular culture, film, and television. And on this episode, don't miss our in-depth discussion with showrunner director Kenneth Johnson about the 40th anniversary of V, The Incredible Hulk, Six Million Dollar Man, The Bionic Woman, and of course, Bigfoot. Here's a sneak peek. But it was, Brennan was in a hurry. And um, normally to do a four hour miniseries with a cast of almost 70 people, um, you'd have what, four or five months just to prep right. you know, the whole thing, just to build the stuff you needed and all of that. And, um, uh, and four or five months. And from the weekend when Brandon read my full first draft script and said, go, until the day I said action was two and a half weeks. Oh my God. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, people, well, yeah, most people like you, most people in the industry go, no, you didn't. That's bullshit. I know. Casting, prep, locations. I mean, it's, and, and it, it, it just people is one thing, but that's crazy. That's extraordinary. I yeah, mean, it was, it was insane. And, uh, and how did it, how did it happen? Well, it happened because Brandon really needed it for February or thought he did. And uh, uh, and he knew that I could deliver and deliver fast as I had in the past. But I said, geez, guys, you know, uh, so I said, OK, look, I'll do the best. We, we'll do the best we can. And uh, and we started shooting literally two and a half weeks after he said go. Um, and I know I obviously we had stuff that we were beginning to line up. I had always already corralled almost all of my uh, crew from the Incredible Hulk at Universal to bring them over to be with me at uh, uh, at Warner's. I brought along Chuck Davis, who had been my production designer on Prometheus and on, on the whole Incredible Hulk series and Bionic Woman uh, before that. Um, Chuck, who always would tell me, is this the best we can do? You know, and... Uh, um, a brilliant guy, and uh, I, I, <laughs> that's a whole other story. But um, so I had I had a team that had been working together for you know for over five years uh, that really spoke the same language, and a brilliant cinematographer in John McPherson, uh, and my composer Joe Harnell, who uh, and I knew exactly where I wanted to go with the music and all. Um, so I was had begun to line things up, but it wasn't until Brandon said go that I could say okay, move everybody in here. Let's start the casting. Let's start the location scouting and. Uh, and uh, and this was in a day where there were no cell phones to, they could show you pictures. The you know they'd have to go take the pictures and bring them back, or they'd have to drag you out to the location. So we're doing all of that and then casting in the afternoons. Uh, and, and in many cases, I, I hired the first actor that they brought me because they happened to hit the ball exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore, they tell everybody else they can go home. So subscribe today at trexpressplus.com and don't miss a single episode of Deck Seventy Eight. Fire the rockets! Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. One of the co-hosts of Inglorious Trexperts. And if you're a Trek fan, you owe it to yourself to pick up the 50-year mission. The complete, uncensored, oral history of Star Trek. It's available wherever you buy books, digital, or audio. 
And speaking of books, check out my new book about the making of John Wick. They shouldn't have killed his dog. Also available wherever you buy your books. You see a pattern happening here? Well, what are you waiting for? Get on it. Welcome to the 430 movie. This is, and the winner is Oscar week two here on the 430 movie. I'm one of your four co-hosts, Mark A. Altman. I'm delighted to welcome you back for this very exciting Oscar celebration. And as always, holding the envelopes are your <laughs> favorite 430 movie hosts. There's Mr. Monday, Steve Melching. It's an honor just to be nominated. I'd like to present Tuesday to the terrific Darren Doctorman. Oscar? I don't even know her. <laughs> On Wednesday. What? It's it's what? <laughs> On Wednesday, <laughs> it's Ashley Edward Miller. You like me. You really like me. <laughs> On Thursday, it's Mark A. Altman, and I think I mixed up the envelopes. What? La La Land. <laughs> so anyway, we're 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 excited because this is a show we try and do something. Last year we were so irate. We were so irate because the Academy was um doing this Fakakta thing where um they weren't gonna present the awards to a lot of the below the line categories. They were gonna have people little little clip packages that they were presented you know, before. The little people. The little people. So we were really, really irate about that. And it, it cast a, a pall over the whole show. But this year, it was a good year for movies. Things are back to normal, hopefully. Um, and, you know, because we're, we're, we don't like to bag on the Oscars. We like the Oscars. We, you know, we, we really do. <laughs> we, we grew up on the Oscars. I mean, right? I mean, didn't you, Steve, growing up, didn't you love the Oscar telecast? Well, I, I mean, the first... To be honest, the first time I watched it was uh, 1978 when Star Wars was nominated for all those awards. So I, I remember sitting in front of the TV. When Star Wars my, lost. I know, but but it kept winning. Like I remember it would go best costume design and like, you know, the Darth Vader and the stormtroopers are coming out on stage. And my, my dad was like, well, they're not going to give the Oscar to Star Wars. You know, meanwhile, like air, you know, airport comes out with like pilot outfits. I'm those are just pilot outfits. Look at that Darth Vader. That's a costume. And then it won. And I'm like, see, I told you. So it was, it was it was winning all those uh, awards that they cut out of the broadcast last year. Right. <laughs> and what about I, you, I Ashley? I, watched it, I think I watched it every year since then. Are you are you a fan of the Oscars? You know. I'll tell you what I'm a fan of. Thanks for the memories. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. The, the Oscars been the same since they haven't had Bob Hope. I mean, can you imagine Will Smith hauling off and slapping Bob Hope? I mean, he wouldn't reach his cheek. He would have gotten stopped at the nose. That's right. It's it's, uh, it's a completely different show. It's a completely different show. Well, um, other people may remember that uh, Johnny Carson used to host the Oscars. Oh yeah, too, after yes. Bob Hope. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he was, uh, was he was good. a class act too. Yeah, mm -hmm. Billy Crystal. I Chris Rock was a class act. Yeah, he was. He took a Chris punch. Rock. Chris mm -hmm. Rock. Uh, Chris Rock was. But you know, let's not let that overshadow the Oscars. That one incident. Because I got there's so much great history to the Oscars. I, I, I mean, it, along with the James Bond movies, the only thing my parents would let me stay up late for on a uh, Sunday night, or in this case, it was a Monday night for many years, 
was the Oscars. And I watched them every year and I just loved it because it was the last vestige of the movie stars. They always saved that last slot for, you know, Jack Nicholson or Cary Grant or, you know, Catherine Hepburn or, you know, like the real movie stars that we don't have anymore. And I mean, that was where, like, it cemented the magic of the movies in my eyes. And there were often, you know, these really great, like we make fun of all the the interstitials, but like I learned a lot about the history of film. That great, I think Chuck Workman oh, uh, montage yeah. about the hundred yeah. years of cinema was shown yeah. for the first time during the Oscars, and I still watch that thing, and it's remarkable. They don't do that anymore. If no. a movie was made before like nineteen. 19- 99 or 2005 <laughs> it's like it didn't even exist on the oscars which i hate because it really was a celebration of you know decades and decades and decades of movies yeah but they they only want to support movies that they can stream for money <laughs> well i don't know because it's you know it's abc you know and abc doesn't stream anything ABC barely has a TV network anymore. So, uh, well, so I got to ask you. There used to be a lot more mystique, you know, around the movies and movie stars, you know, especially they, they in the X Men movies. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It was. It was. It was special. I, I. I. I used to look forward to the Oscars. I had this giant poster that I got from the Academy, the head of my college dorm room, which was a giant Oscar, and not wow. the Grouch. It was the Oscar. It, I forget. It was really it was really cool. I, it it had kind of a, the winning one sheets in it, or was that a different No, one? no. It was just a, like of the statuette, and it was very mm-hmm. classy. It had a little like, bit of a weird kid, weren't you? It. Just no, a I love bit. movies. I love <laughs> movies. I love movies. And it's funny. I didn't have any interest in the Emmys. Now it's the opposite. I'm more interested in the Emmys than TV than the Oscars. But that's just because that's where I want to see the Enemy Awards. The Enemy Awards. The Enemy Mine Awards. <laughs> we'll see if Wolfgang Peterson gets mentioned this year in the yeah. uh, in the in memoriam section. So let me ask you guys because you know a lot of people talk. You, you ask one person, they say, "Oh, this is a great year for movies." Another person say, "Oh, it's a terrible year for movies." Uh, did you have a favorite film this year, Steve? Uh, I think we already talked about this a little bit. Um, I, I, there were just, there's not one in particular that's leaping out, but there were a lot that I really liked this year compared to the last few years. What about you, Ashley? Any favorite? What would what What's your best picture? Um, I don't know. You know, this was a, this is a strange year for me with films that I have like these sort of very complicated emotional relationships with. Um, You know, I I think in the last six months, and I've extolled its virtues before, I loved Puss in Boots. Um, But I thought The Batman was amazing. Um, I I, I loved it. I thought it was great. It sticks with me. Uh, But, you know, it's, uh, and I've got a complicated relationship with this one too, but, um, you know, Top Gun Maverick was the the last movie that I went to see with my dad. It was the last movie that he ever saw, like in the theaters or anywhere. It's the site of his last martini. So, you know, uh, which is kind of ironic if you think about it, because when you're making a a movie or a show, like we call the last shot, the martini. Um, So, you know, it's, uh, it will be, um, it will be difficult to forget that one, but, uh, yeah. but I would say probably the Batman. Um, Isn't it funny how you always remember the last movie you saw with your dad? Yeah. I, the last movie I saw with my dad was Ellie Confidential. I remember very vividly <laughs> going to see it. Well, thank God it wasn't something like Bloodshot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. <laughs> Darren, what about you? Where are you on the on the movie radar for this year? Uh, 
first, I just want to say that the, I think the last movie I saw with my dad, we uh, went into the show uh, in the middle of it and had to uh, go through the last half and then watch it from the beginning again. That's what, <laughs> what he was it? to do. Um, I think it might have been Superman 2. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, uh, that could be very confusing. No, he it was. turns back the world. Yeah. Oh, no, he doesn't. He, he kisses Lois Lane yeah. and makes her forget. And then you, you go back to the beginning of the movie. No, we, we walked in right as, the, right as the supervillains were uh, uh, going into the Daily Planet office. So, oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. That's Great. a good place to come in. Yeah. Great story. Although you point. wonder why um, he's beaten up on that that guy in the in the diner, if you <laughs> haven't seen the setup for that. Well, obviously. <laughs> obviously, the guy in the diner is the ringleader. He's obviously... Uh, Working out. Escape from the Phantom <laughs> Zone. Uh, but this year, this year has been uh, very, uh, in my mind, lackluster because uh, it takes a lot to get me to actually leave the house and go to the movies. Mm. And uh, I only did it maybe three times this year mm. uh, to go see uh, Maverick and the Batman. And I can't remember the other one. Oh, wow. That's the problem. Um, oh, see, I saw, I, I think I saw eight of the 10 best picture nominees in the theater. Yeah, but you, you go all the time. I know. You're a, you're a, a, a movie going maven. <laughs> so you're unstoppable. Well, he hosts you the always do the about homework. movies. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't wait for the sequel, Top Gun 2, Brett Maverick. <laughs> That's a little joke about a TV show from the 70s that no one's going to get. But, it, but it's James even Garner a joke did... about the remake movie that they made that no one remembers. That's yeah, <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah, with Bill Gibson and Jodie Foster. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Did Richard Donner direct that? He no, did. He did. Yeah. He did. And now, you know, there's the Donner cut coming out of that. With There them. is not. <laughs> no, there's, there's, the, there's the Donner pass cut. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what I loved that I, I just and I know it's not a great I know it's not a good movie, but I think it's a great movie, if that makes any sense, is Babylon. It's just so yeah. crazy. It's so flawed, but it's such a big swing and it's so awesome and epic and a love letter to movies. And even though, you know, it's insane and gonzo and crazy, I just love it. I, I mean, not only did I go see the theater, I've watched it a couple of times since. And I, I just, you know, three hours and I just dig it. And I, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. It, it, it's really hit hit and miss for me, but when it hits, it's really good. And when it misses, it's just kind of puzzling and and mm -hmm. like, what am I watching? It gets so dark in the third act, and I mean, not that the rest of it isn't dark, but it just it just I don't know. It's just really. I mean, I have so much respect for Damien Chazelle for taking all his movie clout, and this is what he puts, he puts it all on black, you know? And and and, and <laughs> it's just like, man, you know, you could have done anything, and you had an amazing career, and like, you squandered it all on this giant $80 million movie made for 10 people, of which Steve <laughs> and I are two of them. And uh, it's, it's amazing. And and I, why, did he like it? He well, probably he got invited the junket, so he likes. He likes it. all of Damien Chazelle's movies. Oh yeah, that's right. He's a big La La Land supporter. That's right. That's right. I love La La Land. I do too. I love La La Land too. Um, but yeah, I guess he did like uh, Babylon. You're right. Not like Steve and I liked it. Right. <laughs> yeah, you appreciate it on a much deeper level. Steve and I are are, are huge obsessives about old Hollywood. And, yeah. and speaking of old Hollywood, not just quite old Hollywood. 
it would be we would be remiss if we didn't mention the passing of the great Tom Luddy, um, oh, yeah. one of the founders of the um, uh, Telluride Film Festival, also very involved in Zoetrope and a part of the San Francisco film scene. A, a great guy and, and part of a generation, unfortunately, that is slowly disappearing. Um, that valued film is an art. Get form. me Luddy. Oh no, that's right. Al Ruddy. Who did? Who do I know? We had a friend who went to see Al Ruddy recently. Uh, really? I don't remember who it was, but we need to find uh, out more. We need to know. We need to know. We need to. Detail. We got to get Al Ruddy on the show. Get me Al Ruddy. I would like to know more. Would you like to know more? I don't know. But I would like to know more about your Oscar Week 2 picks. And the winner is, and what is the winner is? Well, uh, when we did our first Oscar show a couple of years ago, it was a big success, where we picked our pick for our, I, I shouldn't say favorite, but our 430 movie pick, a uh, selection of great best picture winners. And Steve, if you'll refresh our memory, what were our picks way back when in the first season of the show? Oh my gosh. Uh, 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 my pick was Midnight Cowboy. Midnight Cowboy, first X rated uh, Oscar winner. Uh, Darren's was Ben Hur. Ah, uh, the great Ben Hur. This was the uh, remake uh, by Willie Wyler, not the yes. original. Uh, Ashley had picked uh, No Country for Old Men. Ah, the great Coen Brothers film. Fantastic uh, choices. Mark had picked uh, All About Eve. Can I change my vote? No, <laughs> you can. This I love. I love. Kidding. I love. I, I love all about Eve. I love all about Eve. I'm glad that was a great pick. And then for Friday, we settled on Billy Wilder's The Apartment. Wow, that's a good week. Maybe we should good just week. repeat that episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, how, a great. How many week. Oscars have there been? Are we ninety. What is this? The well, it's uh, different because didn't you have best black and white film, best yeah. color film, best silent film, best sound yeah. film? So it all gets best foreign language film. It all gets mixed in, right? So yeah. I, I don't know how many it is. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot to choose from aside from those five. And I think we can come up with a, a great uh, a great week of films. I'm confident I, we can. Uh, I, I'm confident <laughs> we can too because there are a lot more films that we didn't choose. And I'm really excited and interested and uh, curious to see what you all pick. So as always, we'll start our week of uh, fantasy theme week of, of classic movies with Steve's pick for in the winner is. And we're calling it in the winner is not the Oscar goes to because that's bullshit. <laughs> the, the, the person, the winner, the person who gets the trophy is the winner. OK, it's not like everyone who's nominated it gets a participation trophy. I mean, good for them. It's a big honor to be nominated. Absolutely. But it's a bigger honor to win, right? <laughs> so um, anyway, Steve, tell us who the winner is. <laughs> well, my pick for Monday is, is a movie that uh, I, I saw as a as a kid, and uh, it always stuck with me. I I, uh, I tracked down a uh, beautiful one sheet for it years ago and had it uh, linen mounted and framed, and it, it hangs in my house. Uh, to this day, so I, I see it every day on my wall, and uh, I revisited it the other day to just like David Keith and an officer gentleman. <laughs> and my pick is uh, from uh, the winner of the Academy Award from 1957. It's David Lean's "The Bridge on the River Kwai." Damn oh. you! Thank you. 
morning, O sir, of this camp, you British prisoners have been chosen to build a bridge across the river Kwai. If you work hard, you will be treated well. But if you do not work hard, you will be punished. Me. That's an order. You make me sick with your heroics. There's a stench of death about you. You carry it in your pack like the plague. You and that Colonel Nicholson, you're two of a kind. Crazy with courage. For what? How to die like a gentleman. How to die by the rules. When the only important thing is how to live like a human being. My name is Nicholson. Give me the book. And by all means, you read English, I take it. Do you read the Japanese? I'm sorry, no, but if it's a matter of precise translation, I'm sure that can be arranged. You see, the code specifically states that the... Kill him! Kill him! I could have done it. I was ready. Let's go. on the River Kwai, played against the naked canvas of war. Here is a vast panorama of human emotions, the courage and dignity of men who fight for their convictions, the humor of soldiers in the midst of tragedy. I thought you were the enemy, sir. Well, I'm an American, if that's what you mean. The tenderness that springs from the heart. You're lovely. The beauty and brutality that is war on an island in the jungle. picture achievement by a combination of brilliant creative talent produced by Sam Spiegel who gave you the African Queen and on the waterfront directed by David Lean who made brief encounter and great expectations What a great pick. <laughs> Bravo. Bravo. David Lean, of course, uh, the director of Lawrence of Arabia, Dr. Zhivago, Great Expectations, and uh, a host of other uh, great films uh, was produced to the Oscar, went to Sam Spiegel, who had also produced The African Queen on the Waterfront, Lawrence of Arabia, uh, one of the titans of uh, early Hollywood. Uh, it was written by... Uh, Carl Foreman, who wrote uh, Cyrano de Bergerac, High Noon, and Guns of Navarone, and Michael Wilson, uh, who wrote A Place in the Sun, Lawrence of Arabia, and Planet of the Apes, uh, adapted from the novel by Pierre Boulet. How is it pronounced? Boulle? Pierre Boulle. Pierre Boulle. 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 Uh, of course, uh, in, uh, in 1957, when Jean the Oscar... Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> when, the Oscar, <laughs> when, it, when it won the Oscar for Best uh, Adapted Screenplay, the Oscar went to Pierre Boulle, because uh, Wilson and Foreman uh, were on the blacklist. So they were not credited as the writers of the film until many years later when their rightful credits were restored uh, to the movie. Um, 
and uh, a terrific score by Malcolm Arnold and just, you know, these indelible performances by William Holden as Commander Shears, the American POW who manages to escape only to uh, be forced to go volunteer to go back to lead a, a commando team back to the bridge in order to blow it up. Like aliens. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Alec Guinness, uh, one of his uh, early earlier roles. Uh, I didn't pronounce uh, Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness. <laughs> Guinness, Guinness, Alec Guinness, 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 only murdered by death. <laughs> As I uh, played Colonel Nicholson, the uh, the very proper British uh, officer uh, who who valued uh, order and and protocol above all else, uh, and who famously clashed with David Lean a lot on the set to the point where he almost uh, he wanted to quit the picture. Um, uh, uh, Jack Hawkins, another great, uh, British actor playing major warden who led the commando team, uh, Sasui Hayakawa, who played, uh, Colonel Saito, the commandant of the POW camp, uh, and James Donald, who played the, uh, the uh, medical officer, uh, at the camp. Madness. It, it was originally John Hoyt, but he got replaced. Too, like, in the production. Yeah. <laughs> it was and, not. It was not. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the, the film was nominated for eight Academy Awards, and it won seven, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Actor for Alec Guinness, Best Cinematography, Best Editing, and Best Original Score. The only Oscar it did not win was uh, Hayakawa's Supporting Actor. Oscar, and it was the highest grossing film of 1957 and was a smash hit uh, when it finally aired on network television uh, in the 60s in an unedited uh, three-hour-plus time slot. And the funny thing is, if this is our pick for Monday on the 430 movie, then I think the Mon the ABC Monday Night movie should be, be beneath the Planet of the Apes. It pairs perfectly <laughs> with Bridge Over the River Kwai. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I've always just loved this movie. I love the the clash of personalities uh, between Alec Guinness and and Hayakawa. Are, I mean, it's 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 remarkable. And and the the turn, uh, you know, Guinness's um, stubbornness and an unwillingness to back down and and suffer the torments of, like of, uh, of the oven, <laughs> uh, only to kind of emerge triumphant and. And want to prove, you know, his worth and and the worth of his soldiers to the Japanese, and show them that they could build a better bridge than they could, one that will last hundreds of years. And he just gets so lost in the weeds, wanting to make this monument to him and his men that he he kind of loses sight that he's helping the enemy construct a, cru a crucial mm. railway crossing. <laughs> Until his, you know, until the end of the movie, which, which I won't spoil. I guess you can't spoil a seventy-year-old movie, but yes, you, you can. know. I just realized. <laughs> yeah, you can. I, you just can. I, I, I did this Deep Space Nine comic, uh, Zero, about the building of Terok Noor, and I always mm. said it was based on the Fountainhead. But I come to think of it, it's kind of more based on Bridge Over the River Kwai. <laughs> uh, such a great movie, such a great pick, of course. And of course, there's the iconic music that we all know from it, the uh, the Colonel Bogey's march. Yes. Da -da, ba -da -da. I I, uh, I remember the alternate lyrics that I learned in uh, grade school. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> but we're not going to sing that. <laughs> it makes the grass grow green. 
as I recall. Oh my god, something gosh. like that. Yes. <laughs> well, you know what? It may they may have been honored winning all those Oscars, but there's truly no greater celebration, no greater win than being the Monday pick on the 4:30 movie. <laughs> I'm sure David Lean is. Is so happy. Is so him. happy in his grave. Yeah, he's thinking, I finally got it. I finally got Monday. <laughs> the only thing better is Wednesday. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Darren's like, wait a minute, what the hell about Tuesday? To hell with you. <laughs> yeah, double dumbass on you. Okay. Well, that brings us to Tuesday and Darren's pick, well, which I get and- the feeling was... Uh, Aiken. It was it was certainly uh, one of my uh, three picks that I was mm. going to go with, uh, because of course you know being in uh, second, third, and fourth place, you need to have alternates because we don't know what everyone else is going to pick. Don't know. Mm. It's true. Uh, we don't just know don't know. Um, so I did have uh, a couple alternates. I will go with my first alternate, which will make this uh, week sound like Lean on Me week. Because it's also it's also a David Lean movie. God damn it! That was my pick from from five years later, 1962, Lawrence of Arabia. I deem him one of the greatest beings alive in our time. We shall never see his like again. His name will live in history. It will live in the annals of war. It will live in the legends of Arabia. Who is he? Fetu. Tafas! What is your name? My name is for my friends. None of my friends is a murderer. quarter of a century, controversy has raged around the name of T.E. Lawrence. No man of our time has drawn upon himself so much praise and so much criticism. Lawrence of Arabia, the man torn between two civilizations. Lawrence of Arabia, filmed against a canvas of awesome magnificence. Lieutenant Lawrence, sir, is not your military advisor. But I would like to hear his opinion. Damn it, Lawrence, who do you take your orders from? From Lord Faisal, in Faisal's tent. Hailing the birth of a new star, Peter O'Toole as Lawrence of Arabia. What was he really like, this controversial figure who became a legend in his own lifetime? He was the most extraordinary man I ever knew. He was a very great man. He was a poet, a scholar, and a mighty warrior. He was also the most shameless exhibitionist since Barnum and Bailey. 
What, in your opinion, do these people hope to gain from this war? They hope to gain their freedom. There's one born every minute. They're going to get it, Mr. Bentley. I'm going to give it to them. Lawrence and Marie. Together, they made history. Now, a gathering of international stars unfolds the story. Alec Guinness as Prince Faisal. The English have a great hunger for desolate places. I fear they hunger for Arabia. Anthony Quinn as Auda Abu Tai. I carry 23 great wounds, all got in battle. 75 men have I killed with my own hands in battle. I scatter, I burn my enemies' tents. I take away their flocks and herds. The Turks pay me a golden treasure, yet I am poor because I am a river to my people. Jack Hawkins as General Allenby. I believe your name will be a household word when you would have to go to the War Museum to find who Allenby was. You're the most extraordinary man I ever met. Leave me alone. Huh? Leave me alone. Jose Ferrer as the Turkish Bay. Your skin is very fair. Also starring Anthony Quayle, Claude Rains, Arthur Kennedy, with Omar Sharif as Ali, and Peter O'Toole as Lawrence. through the list i was surprised it hasn't been picked yet no that's why we've never we've never picked (laughs) it but now now we have uh i saw it for the first time actually in a theater uh when the uh the uh the redux happened where the Uh, robert harris robert uh, harris uh 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 restoration of this movie in i believe it was the mid 90s early 90s uh, and it blew me away. Yeah. Um, it is such a, it's such a fun story, actually. It, it, it has so many, uh, you know, elements of humor and great characterization and sweeping story, of course. But the humanity in this movie is so, uh, upfront. And with all the strange and new characters that Lawrence meets up with, everyone is amazing and does a bravura performance. Uh, Anthony Quinn as Aouda Abutai, the uh, leader of his uh, his sect of uh, of Arabs, uh, is amazing. And uh, when you hear stories of uh, how he first appeared on the set, the extras were going, Aouda, Aouda. Because he looked exactly like the real one. Um, <laughs> How about when um, Omar Sharif came up to Peter O'Toole and said, it's all that I have. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's um, Look, Omar Sharif is amazing as well. 
And the story, the, there's a story about him rehearsing for that first scene where he has to pull up the skin bag from the uh, uh, from the well uh, mm -hmm. so that he could make it look like he'd done it before because he he had no idea how to do this thing. And he was practicing <laughs> and practicing. And uh, during the take, he messed it up and had a, and dropped it down the well. But it was uh, it was a fascinating uh, story of, uh, of how these actors sort of worked together. Uh, on this project, and mm. you know, this was the the first you know, they introduced Peter O'Toole in this film. Uh, and yeah, I love when Alec Guinness says to him, "You must come with me to Aqaba." <laughs> that's not that's no. not what happened. In in whose name do you ride, young Skywalker? No. Um, well, uh, behind a behind a uh, an unfortunate rubber nose lies Alec Guinness. Uh, uh, playing uh, Prince Faisal, um, and he is amazing. I mean, he sounds exactly like Alec Guinness, but he, he has he has a a slightly uh, Arab uh, 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 vocalization. Um, but the dynamic between he and uh, and Peter O'Toole is absolutely amazing. Uh, they are uh, they are giants working on the screen together. And it's certainly wonderful to watch. I love this movie. I've watched it probably a thousand times since I first saw it. <laughs> uh, I, I know just about every line from it. It's really appalling. Um, and uh, unfortunately, it was it was this movie that made me think, oh, well, this is how a Star Wars uh, 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 sequel should be made. Apparently, no one else thought that. So... Uh, <laughs> I, I love this movie. It is technically amazing. Uh, the uh, production design by John Box uh, is so accurate and sweeping and yet artistic at the same time. It's, uh, uh, it's and lovely. the cinematography. Oh well, God. of course. The, um, just to kind of jump the cinema, cinematography thing for a second, right? Because we're in David Lean land right now. Yeah. Um, if you think about just how much of an impact this film in particular, David Lean in general, has had on film in ways that I think that um, that I hate the fucking word filmmakers, but but directors today that are working don't even understand the degree to which that they are borrowing from him. And I'll give you yeah. an example. So Steven Spielberg, who is quite obviously a genius when he even needed to justify his resume, um, you know, he is he's paying homage to lean and to this movie in particular a lot in Raiders of Lost Ark, right? We can yep. all agree on that. Okay, cool. That's homage. And Spielberg is such a genius that he makes it his own. Now we recognize the shots, we get it, but they also serve the story that Spielberg is, is making. Okay. Now I'm going to give you another example. So you're going to go, what the fuck are you talking about? Jurassic world fallen kingdom. So this movie is basically karaoke <laughs> of shots that Spielberg has done in Spielberg movies, you know, for 40 freaking years, including karaoke of shots that Spielberg was basically shooting as an homage to David yeah. Lean. So you've got people now doing copies of copies. And I think without yep. quite understanding the source. And it's not until you sit and you watch this film like on something that is larger than your television screen, which is how I experienced it, obviously, for years and years and years. You go, oh my God, 
you know, this movie is just beautiful. You could just turn the sound off. You could just watch it. It could be a moving picture on your wall, and it's amazing. You know, it's funny you, you mentioned Spielberg in Lean. Uh, uh, when I when I got that Quai post one sheet framed, the framer said that Spielberg had had that exact one sheet framed by her a couple of years earlier. And and Spielberg, I think, paid homage to Quai to Quai in Temple of Doom, absolutely with the with the bat scene. Mm -hmm. This is that yeah. beautiful that great sequence uh, in the jungle when the the bats take flight and they're pursuing this Japanese soldier through the jungle and there's all the shadows of the bats flying over and and Spielberg obviously lifted some of that imagery. Well, uh, it, it's even more because they went to the same locations. Yeah, <laughs> in Ceylon in, or in yeah, Sri, Lanka. Sri Lanka. Yeah, mm. and, and uh, but but I had the same experience seeing. Uh, uh, Lawrence of Arabia that you did when that restoration came out, it played in 70 millimeter at, mm -hmm. as I recall, the ABC Entertainment. That's Center. exactly where I went in Century and that City. Was, yeah, in Century City. That was my first time seeing it and it it just absolutely knocked my socks off. Like some, that, some of those imagery of the desert is just astounding. Yeah, It's just gorgeous. You and have funny. to see this movie on a big screen. I'll, 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 I'll third that because... I for many years it would play on TV and 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 it was on video and I would not watch it. I would not watch it because I said the only way I'm going to see this is on movie theater. Now I was in New York at the time, so I saw it the Ziegfeld, which is the mm. way to see it, and it absolutely was spectacular. So it was the same thing with Isaac. I wouldn't show it to him until the Arrow showed it in 70 millimeter. Now, albeit the Arrow is, you know, is is a great theater, but it's not the ideal theater for 70 millimeter, but he loved it. He loved every second of it. It's one of his favorite movies of all time, which is so great because, um, you know, if he hadn't, I would have had to disown him, but uh, no, but it, it's so gratifying. They see how much he loves it and that this movie transcends the generations. And that's why it was so upsetting to see sight and sound drop it off their list this year of the hundred greatest uh, movies of all time, because Lawrence Arabia is spectacular. It is um, it, it, it is cinema and we know why they dropped it and it's ridiculous because, um, yes, we understand it was a bunch of British actors who were playing, you know, Arabs, which was, you know, what happened at the time. But it's funny because when you have a bunch of English actors playing Russians, no one seems to care. <laughs> um, or, or when you have a bunch of English actors playing Nazis, no one seems to care. Or a bunch of but, English actors playing Americans, no one gives yeah, yeah. a damn. Or a bunch and, and of English it, actors playing Brits. And yeah. it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy <laughs> to have this. It was like, what, number 15 or something? Like that? And now it's gone completely yeah, from the list. And it's such a, a, I mean, this movie is 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 textbook in terms of uh, so many product production design performances i mean peter o'toole alone uh what, what a master class in acting um you know the production design the cinematography the uh, marie jar score i mean <laughs> one, of, is, one of the great cuts of all time going from the yeah. match to the sun yeah only, only uh, matched by 2001 A Space Odyssey. I mean, yeah. and all the little performance, Claude Rains. I mean, you know, so yes. many great uh, performances. And it's just, uh, talk about understanding. And, 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 you know, this is long before as CGI or anything. You look at the, you know, the sandstorms and, um, uh, you know, the cast of thousands, literally. And it's just. And the, and the bit player playing uh, Officer Perkins, where we only see his knees. 
uh, in the shot. And uh, he said, bloody marvelous, sir. Thank you, Perkins. And then he leaves. It's some great knee acting there. It's, it, it's, it's so... Great. Well, I remember and that what a great image of the the ship going through the canal. Yeah. Like, yes. It's like wow, that's insane. Yeah. That like if we were Beautiful. going to do the greatest shots in the history of cinema, that would probably be a top ten shot, right? Yeah. yeah. I got to spend some quality time with Ann Coates, who was the editor of this movie, mm. because she was also the editor of What About Bob, mm. and we were next door neighbors in condos, staying at the resort, shooting What About Bob. And I got to talk with her a bit about uh, her work in the past. And of course, I talked about Lawrence and uh, and uh, she had some uh, fun stories about how they had to uh, resuscitate footage that came back from the desert, uh, not exactly in a uh, great state. Uh, and uh, she said that it was uh, a marvelous, uh, a marvelous job uh, and that uh, most of it uh, Lean had already cut in his head. So that that happened. They had a scare like that on Kwai also, and they blew up the actually blew up the bridge, which was a full size bridge with a full size train I going it was over. CGI. It. Yeah, <laughs> that they could do once. They uh, they could only do it once, and they filmed it, and they were shipping the cans the the negative back, and the negative got lost, and they found it a week later on a on a in the on a I'm gonna say an African tarmac somewhere oh it had been wow. in, you know, in the elements, it, but thankfully the footage was fine. But how do you not spend, like when you shoot something like that in that way, like on film, how do you just not spend every day until you know that the lab has it? Mm -hmm. Just not like in a sometimes you gotta trust to game. luck as in anything. Sometimes, well, I mean, but to... it was like Robert Wise carrying the print to the premiere. I mean, it's like, you couldn't trust anyone else. Yeah. Of Star Trek the motion picture. Don't believe them. Don't trust them. <laughs> wow. I'm I'm so I'm so pumped you picked that because I was so sure I was going with that. Okay. Well that brings us to Wednesday and Ashley Edward Miller. Two movies are off the table, but there are plenty more. Dr. Zhivago. Uh, you can you know, do it. <laughs> what I really have most appreciated about this week so far is how it's been a, a celebration of, of great films truly deserving of the Oscar that they won. And I realized that today is Wednesday, and that's why I'm picking the artist. I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. I'm not picking the artist. Are you crazy? Uh, and I, don't, I like the artist. I just throwing it out there because I know Mark isn't picking it, and I know it's not going to be Friday. F the artist in the air. Okay. So <laughs> my pick for Wednesday isn't really that out of the box, except that um, it is one of the, I think, two films ever uh, to win the Academy Award for Best Picture, but be a sequel. Um, and this particular film won three Academy Awards. I'm uh, sorry, not three, won 11 Academy Awards. Uh, and there's a reason why I said three. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Best Film Editing, Best Makeup, Best Original Score, Best Original Song, Best Sound Mixing, Best Visual Effects. Uh, the movie that I am referring to, of course, is the, uh, the third movie in uh, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy, The Return of the King. The eye of the enemy is moving. <laughs> Every day, Frodo moves closer to Mordor. 
Come to the throne of Gondor. It is time. Give him the sword of the king. Become who you were born to be. The precious baby eyes. He means to murder us! Never! I'm not sending him away. Come to me. Order center. The pieces are moving. We come to it at last. I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. A day may come when the courage of man fails. When we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day. Whatever happens, stay with me. This day, we fight! All you have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to you. We shall see the Shire again. You gave away your life's grace. I cannot protect you anymore. We cannot achieve victory through strength of arms. Not for ourselves. But we can give Frodo a chance. Now, arguably, the return of the king look, it's a great film. It may not be the strongest of the three films. But of course, it was awarded for the other two films as well. Well, exactly. It's like, and that's what I think makes it special, right? The, the achievement in film that Return of the King represents is that it managed to accomplish something quite unprecedented. Uh, it, it took this huge, sprawling story it broke it into these three enormous films. Each film felt coherent, um, of a piece, by itself was dramatically satisfying. And yet they all work together as a whole. And I think, and I remember even feeling this way as an audience member, like, you know, when Fellowship came out, it's like, well, is the rest gonna be as good? Two Towers comes out, oh, so great. And you're thinking, is, is Return of the King? <laughs> gonna be so good how is it gonna be and the fact that it stuck the landing is just was astonishing i mean sure it stuck the landing maybe three or four too many times <laughs> <laughs> i love when they get the enterprise back but that's okay <laughs> um and the other thing that's like that's just so fascinating to me about these films is i mean and in part like you know our good friend robert meyer burnett burnett did like the uh, so many of the behind the scenes phenomenal you know, documentary phenomenal 
for the yeah exactly for the for the the DVD collections and and all that stuff and those are just amazing but i don't know that any director has ever been so open in kind of letting it all hang out and saying like these are the choices that were made in making these films particularly return of the king because you know as you guys know as i'm sure most of our listeners will recall after the theatrical editions uh peter jackson released extended editions which were longer cuts and part of his reasoning wasn't just well i just feel bad that i had to make editing decisions on these films part of it was here's another way of looking at it and return of the king in particular contained scenes that even jackson said look the extended edition has things in it that I cut for a reason, or I changed for a reason, for great creative reasons, not just for time, um, but I want you to see them. And it's just, it's such a fascinating exercise, I think, for anybody who loves movies to sit down, watch these films, see how they work together. And regardless of like what your jam is, like in, in terms of the, the technical accomplishments, um, I will tell you that, and this will illustrate so much, I mean, uh, when they, in this, this last, this last year before God help us rings of power came out, um, you know, the local theater did a revival of all three films, one per week. And Caden, who I made sure got to see these movies for the first time in the theater when we were back in LA. Caden, um, your son. Yes. Caden, my son, uh, wanted to go see these movies again in the theater. And so we did every week. Like, and it was like way the hell past his bedtime. I mean, <laughs> movies are not starting until like close to eight o'clock. It's like, we're getting home at like 11. And, and this kid <laughs> is just bleary eyed, but he loves them. Mm -hmm. They work for him. They still speak to him. They are among like the, 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 in my opinion, the, you know, the, the greatest adaptations from book to film ever made like if you want to know like how to tackle material particularly from you know look Tolkien was not exactly a writer that that you're like wow you know what I love about Tolkien wasn't known for you his know, the brevity. fact that all the emotions <laughs> and you know what I'm saying it's like, that's, that's, that's not why you're tuning into him but that Peter Jackson managed to create this very rich emotional character-driven story that still respected what came from the original material the books uh, the books are occasionally grocery lists yes <laughs> and he makes a meal out of them yeah yeah that's a perfect yeah. analogy a perfect analogy there's 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 a wonderful earnestness to these movies that i think is lacking uh, in a lot of a lot of uh, mainstream movies you know that that want to be cool and cynical um that I, and these, this is a trilogy that I think like a lot of people I revisit every year, usually around Thanksgiving time. I'll mm -hmm. watch all three of them. Uh, this last year I watched all three plus all the appendices that Ashley and Darren mentioned, uh, these wonderful feature length, uh, behind the scenes documentary movies. There's two per film. So it's like four hours, four or five hours per movie worth There's of There's a half hour features. talking about making chain mail. <laughs> <laughs> in, in film one, each ring had to be individually linked to the others. But did you no, watch I, the Rankin-Bass Hobbit with... Uh, no. With... Um, Richard where Boone is the voice of Slosh. Oh. Actually, that was that's in the, the Return, of the King. Return of the King. 
That was I think, the one misstep in this movie, by the way. Uh, I you wanted it to be a music. I wanted to, to hear that song just a, just a little bit. I th I think that it is one of, like you said, one of the best adaptations of uh, a book to film ever done. Primarily because they change the book so much, and I think mm -hmm. it it needs to be for a for a filmic experience. Uh, interestingly enough, I think one of the one of the touchstones that they went to first was the BBC radio adaptation of the three books that was written by Brian Sibley, who is a, a, a famous uh, Tolkien uh, aficionado and expert. Not to be confused with Brian Daly. That's correct. Uh, but that included a lot of the cuts that were that you know Tolkien fans uh, yelled about uh, when they complain about the movies. Uh, Tom Tom Bombadil, etc. Um, but they don't realize that these were extra characters that were just uh, that were just mirroring other characters in the in the books, and uh, they were they were uh, uh, made uh, uh, redundant. That's the best nice nicest word, uh, but it's a brilliant adaptation. I'm amazed he was able to fit it all into nine and a half hours. It's truly amazing. Well, I'm a big fan of Second Breakfast, so I can't argue with that. Uh, <laughs> and Elevensies. And Elevensies. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think the first one is probably my favorite of the trilogy, but but this one, like as as Ashley said, just sticks the landing so well. Everything pays off. It, it's a very emotionally satisfying. I don't mind the multiple denouements when you consider the whole story is nine, nine and a half hours long. I don't mind if there's 20 minutes of wrap up at the end because yeah. I feel it earns it. And I and every ending weepy. is satisfying. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I, it doesn't bother me at all. That's funny, Steve. My sec my favorite is Two Towers. So your favorite is Fellowship oh, Ring. My favorite is Two Towers. And yeah. I love them all, but yeah. I give the edge to Fellowship. I'm, yeah. I'm with Mark on the two towers, but I mean, I love them all. Uh, it's like, uh, it's, it's kind of like my children. It's like, sure. I have a favorite. I'll never name him, <laughs> but <laughs> it doesn't mean that I don't love the other two. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's hysterical. You listen to the podcast, but also because it's true. And also because you mean it. It's well, your, very, your uh, second book was the two toddlers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he wins this week. Okay. <laughs> yep. That's fantastic. We promised the audience all new movies, all new quips. Oh my so god. So there you go. Um okay, well, that uh obviously a very impressive uh movie and right down the middle for Mr. Miller. Uh but I guess you were limited in terms of what you could pick. Yeah. You know, um, this week, you know, no cloak and dagger and Oscar week. Cloak and dagger, the Academy Award. Uh, a big, big oversight, big oversight <laughs> by the Academy. Um, okay. That brings us Thursday. And I have to say, I'm in an unenviable position because, of course, Darren took my pick of Lawrence of Arabia. And, um, you know, these are all big, epic movies. And um, I don't know. Do I pick another big epic movie? You know, is, is that going to be what we think of of the Oscars? They all have to be Gandhi. I know. What well, thinking. I hated that Gandhi beat one in nineteen eighty two. I hated. So Gandhi. I'm not going for the big epic movie. <laughs> I, I I'm not even going to go for Casablanca because that to me is like uh, you know the easy fastball because it, it it's one of my favorite movies of all time and it's, it's fantastic and I just you know we've had it on the show before. I, uh, 
I'm 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 kind of leaning towards the thing, the thing, <laughs> the, uh-huh. the sting. I'm kind of wow. I'm I'm kind of leaning towards the the sting because I don't think we've ever picked it. Right. But I can't help myself. I can't help myself. You if we're gonna have David picking. Lean and Peter Jackson celebrate these legendary directors, do you need? I have eggs, to go Mark? with the film. I need the eggs. I need the, the eggs. eggs, and I don't want to be a member of any. Uh, of any club that would have me as a member. I'm going to go with 1977's Heartbreaker in more ways than one, Annie Hall. Because it was a dead shark. We, uh, you know, as kids, this was an offense. As children, we hated it. Sensibilities. (laughs) How could Star Wars fall to this this movie? Of course. Some talky, kissy movie. When I grew older, I realized, yeah, okay, I get it. I get it now. I get it. So uh, I, uh, my pick is Woody Allen's, uh, one of Woody Allen's many, many masterpieces, Annie Hall. A relationship, I think, is, is like a shark. You know, it has to constantly move forward or it dies. And I think what we got on our hands <clears throat> is a dead shark. Woody Allen. I love what you're wearing. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, well, it's, uh, this is a, this ties a present from Grammy Hall. Who? Grammy Grammy Hall? Yeah, my Grammy. What are you kidding? What did you do? Grow up in a Norman Rockwell painting? Diane Keaton. You don't want me to live with you. I don't want you to live with me. Whose idea was it? Mine. Yeah. It was yours, actually, but uh, I approved it immediately. Tony Roberts. The one with the VPL. VPL? Invisible panty line. Yeah, she's a 10 max, and that's great for you because you're you're used to twos, aren't you? Carol Kane. What's your name? Allison? You, you like New York Jewish left-wing liberal intellectual Central Park West Brandeis University with the socialist summer camps and the, the father with the Ben Sean drawings, right? And the really, you know, strike-oriented kind of... Uh, um, stop me before I make a complete imbecile of myself. No, that was wonderful. I love being reduced to a cultural stereotype. Paul Simon. We're going to meet Jack and Angelica and have a drink there, and if you'd like to come, we'd love to have you. We can just sit and talk, nothing. Uh, not a big deal. It's just relax, just be very mellow. I, I don't respond well to mellow. You know what I mean? I have a tendency to. If I get too mellow, I, I ripen and then rot. Shelley Duval. I was at the Stones concert in Altamont when they killed that guy, remember? Yeah, were you? I was, I was at an Alice Cooper thing where six people were rushed to the hospital with bad vibes. Janet Margolin, Colleen Dewhurst, Christopher Walken in the new Woody Allen film. Are you always funny? What is this, an interview? We're supposed to be making love. Annie Hall. No, that was the most fun I've ever had without laughing. Annie Hall. It was picked on the show before by Ashley, where we we all watched a movie we hadn't seen before. Mm. Um, And Ashley picked Annie Hall. Um, But I'm going to pick it again because I have not picked it before. Pick it again. I love it. And uh, it's a great film with uh, brilliant performances by Diane Keaton and um, uh, Shelley Hack is in it for a second. Blink and you'll miss her. Um, but it is is one of the great romantic comedies. They don't and make them like this anymore unless you're Rob Reiner. Um, who <laughs> basically, I, I you know, it's like funny. My daughter was telling me how much she loved When Harry Met Sally, which I we all love When Harry Met Sally. It's a great <laughs> movie. I said, well, you got to watch it all. Because it's the movie it ripped off. <laughs> I said, I said, when Harry Harry Sally is four stars, Annie Hall is five. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, 
Yeah, keep your wagon wheel coffee table to yourself, Darren. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, Annie Hall, it captures a, a slice of life living in uh, Manhattan in the uh, the mid to late 1970s. So many great bits. It's a combination of his early funny period with his later you know, more deep and sophisticated comedies. There's the, the, the one of the great scenes ever, the Marshall McLuhan scene, where uh, they're going to uh, to the movies. I mean, so much. I mean, when they walk out of this, the sorrow and the pity because they missed the first few uh, minutes of the opening credits, <laughs> a three-hour movie about Nazis. Let's go get a coffee. But um, <laughs> but uh, I just I I I love it. I love it. Um, all out of all out of proportion, um, and uh, it's it's my pick because it, it's um, the Oscars aren't just about giant epic movies, you know that that it fell into that trap for a long time. And again, you know, I, I I'm talking to you, Gandhi, 1982, the year of Blade Runner, the year of 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 ET, the year of so the verdict yeah, it became the the prestige movie, the yeah. Oscar bait movie. So um uh you know so I wanna I wanna say they don't all have to be you know epics uh to be that size does not make one great budget does not make one great you could you know but it um, doesn't hurt. Yeah, and uh, but you know, Annie Hall it, it breaks the fourth wall. There's that wonderful animated sequence. Um, it's just it, it, you know, it, it's hard because you look back and so many romantic comedies have borrowed from this film that it the 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 uniqueness of it gets lost all these years later. Um, but at the time, it was really revolutionary, and it was you know Woody Allen's biggest financial hit for a long time. So. Uh, and in this era where it's fashionable to bag on one of our great directors, uh, I, I feel very good about picking Annie Hall for Thursday. Well, you brought up an interesting point that I was thinking about when I was trying to come up with my pick for this week. And, and that is what for for you or for me, what what makes an Oscar movie? What makes a movie you know, a best picture, you know, is it's not just scope and spectacle. Like anyone can throw money at the screen and, and, you know, shoot on location in, in, in exotic places. It's what places. Darren said though. It's what Darren said about Return of the King. It's having all the right ingredients, yeah. but when you put them together, it's the perfect souffle, you know? Yeah. It's just, you take the ingredients, but when, when it comes out of the oven, it's, it's perfect, you know? And 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 because a lot of people, they have a great DP, they have a great director, great writer, great script, but you know it's just missing something. But you know, uh, an Oscar movie, you know, everything just works together uh, to perfection. And I think for me, it also has to like speak some truth or you know resonate truthfully in some way. It could be emotional, it could be visceral, or at least eradicate the truth enough so that you believe it's true. Right. <laughs> and then you print the legend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, sorry, Liberty Valance was not a best picture winner, so that's right. <laughs> um look, I think that uh, I think that the the essence of being a, an Oscar winner for best picture is that first it has to be nominated for best picture and then it has to be voted as best picture. I think that's the two key things that have to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> a lot of great movies that were never even nominated. That's a whole nother show. Correct. But that yeah. brings us Wait, to Friday. We show. Yeah, we, we did. did. We did that yeah. last year. But uh, this year, it's all about um, it's all about uh, best picture winners, where we pick a week of great best picture winners. And there's so many, so many, some of mm -hmm. which we talked about. Um, good week so far. 
Uh, it's a really great week. I should hope so. I mean, it is best pictures, right? Um, I, 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 you know, one picture we've never picked, and we didn't even pick it during Spielberg week, which I feel good about. Um, but I think it, it definitely is something we should think about for best picture week. Is of course Schindler's List, uh, his uh, brilliant uh, black and white um, movie about the Holocaust, uh, adapted from the book by I think it was Thomas Keneally. Um, with a great performance by Liam Neeson and obviously uh, uh, Ray Fiennes is uh, sensational. I think I've told the story before. I was interviewing Ray Fiennes for Le Cinefage at the time and we're having a lovely conversation at the Beverly Wilshire and everything's fine. And at one point he turn, he does the Eamon Goth voice and leans forward and says something to me, you know, in, 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 with the Eamon Goth voice. And I just... I got chills. It was fucking terrifying. I mean, it was like I'm sitting there having tea at the Beverly Wilshire, and I mean, I was scared to death. He was about to take I mean, you off the list. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but uh, it's it's really it's a movie that I think um, it's an important movie, but it's also uh, brilliantly uh, shot and directed. And yet, I still feel like we didn't need it on in the Spielberg week. I'm, I'm glad we had like we had Temple of Doom, I think, and we yeah. had some really interesting picks that week. Oh, it, there's there's no question in, in in my mind that that's a a great film. I mean, but I also kind of look. I mean, I don't mean to make this about Spielberg, but I look at Spielberg's oeuvre, and I'm like, is that really his best movie? I don't necessarily know. Yes. Well, I obviously, mean, we didn't think so because it, we didn't pick it. And right. exactly. Spielberg week. But I mean, the, to get to what what Steve was saying, it's like, and what I think we're all sort of dancing around, it's like, um, there is, there is a, a tendency to like, do one of two things with the Oscars, right? And I mean, like what the Academy does. You mean The Departed? Yeah, The Departed. Well, there's <laughs> either something like they do like something small and silly that like, I, I can't even get my head around the fact that it was given the best picture Oscar, like for example, the artist, uh, or spotlight, like on what planet is spotlight, the best picture of <laughs> yeah, it's a really great movie, it's but it's movie, not a best yeah. picture, sure, but it, yeah. yes, sure. But it's not the best picture, right? You know what no. I mean? It's like, it's a, it just sort of tells you the weakness of the year because there are a lot of great movies that are incredibly well-written or really well-made. Um, but I think that it's, for me, the the best picture needs to needs to express as much about filmmaking and film in the best way possible. You know, it's like it's almost like it's that it's that combination of factors. And the one that I personally pick is always the one that sort of feels like that not only hit me, but I look at it also as it's a it's a technical achievement. Now it has to hit me too, because otherwise it's like, I'm like, I think that Avengers Endgame should have been best picture in 2000. No, <laughs> no. Um, big, you know, incredibly like incredible technical achievement, but not best picture. Um, it's just, it's hard. I mean, I don't necessarily think that, you know, the, the smaller movies, you know, are are more worthy of like what the the Oscar stands for than things that are just sort of loud and and overproduced. Which is to wrap it back to Schindler's List. I think arguing against myself, um, one of the great virtues of that film is that it is in fact um, an incredibly uh, beautiful technical achievement as a film. 
Um, the artistry he, is, 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 it's hard to argue with the artistry of the film. 100%. And the power of the film. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's just, it's a, it's a weird thing, man. It's like, I feel like, I forget what Supreme Court justice was talking about, you know. I know when I see it. Potter Stewart. Yeah. yeah. It was like, literally, that's what the Oscars are. I know it when I well, see it. Well, but that's I, what I think this movie's penalized for. It, it feels like Spielberg, you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And it, it was kind of like, with this movie, I'm going to win the Oscar. There's no way they can't give it to me, right? Right. It kind of, not. that's not why he made it. He made it for very genuine, uh, true. true, honest reasons. But at the same time, you know, you kind of felt, you know, like this is finally, and he was right. He won the Oscar for it. Arguably, uh, Color Purple should have been uh, the film that he was, uh, that he would. Oh, I don't know. I he believed that, but I, I don't he know. So that, we had a yeah. conversation about that um, many, many episodes ago. Weirdly, I was just listening to it last week. And one of the things that we pointed out is there's something about the Color Purple where it feels like Steven Spielberg is standing outside of the film. Mm -hmm. Um, and he is, he's not engaging it like on the, the intimate level that it, that it requires. But I think that he was, it's like, that was like the first time in his head that he thought, okay, I need to maybe try to do this, this other thing. Um, although yeah. uh, look, I think the color purple is a, a perfectly fine film. Um, but I, but it, but it does feel to me a little bit like he's, he's still you know, trying it, too it, much. It, yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because. I always had mixed feelings about Schindler's List. I respect it, and I think it's great. But I also feel, I think I said this to one of my film teachers at one point, I, it's, there's a little Andrew Lloyd Webber to it. It's like, he, 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 he um, oh God, how, how should I put this? Like, when you're at Auschwitz and you see the ashes going up, just the way he shoots it, it's the same thing he did in The Color Purple. He takes these really tragic, awful things. but And shows us the, the bright side of it. He, yeah, he just, he, he, it's like too cinematic. It's it, like too polished. It's he too says this himself. He says, "You know, I, I'm I'm telling I'm telling this fairy tale about this horrific time." Yeah, and, that, and that's he's where he's not I, servicing. He's not servicing the dead. Right, I, I I agree with that. And just putting the wraps around it, like he does in Saving Private Run, isn't enough. Yeah, you know, it, it's in a way, it's it's too polished. Um, which isn't to take anything away because it's a horrifying, you know, it's horrifying and he captures a, a, a lot of that. But I, you know. I would say one one other element that I think makes a great best picture is uh, rewatchability, like mm -hmm. wanting to well. visit it again over time. And, and Schindler's List, as brilliant as it is, when you walk out of that movie, you know, it's one of those like, I, I thought that was amazing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I ever need to see this yeah, again. Sure, exactly. I, sure. it was just, Unlike it was much. something like the Godfather films. Yes. Right? Exactly. Like, in fact, the thing about The Godfather that it, for me, that it really just encapsulates is... The genius of Al Ruddy? Yeah, the genius of Al Ruddy. It was a movie that nobody saw coming. It was yeah. a movie that nobody believed in. It was a movie unlike anything anybody had seen. And it basically fits the definition of genius, right? Which is the thing that is obvious, but only in retrospect. Right. Uh, and The Godfather is brilliant. And here's how I know. Once again, I'm going back to Caden. But I took him to see it in the theater late. It's on a school night. He sits, he watches the whole thing. He loves it. I mean, even like that dinner scene, which is itself six hours long. Like, <laughs> but it's terrific, right? It's just the the way that that movie begins 
and ends just like it is just it is a perfectly structured film both visually and in terms of the story and at the and, and we've all talked about this ad nauseum but just the the making of that film wow. uh, what it went through the impact that it had culturally like just it to me it's it is i mean like for me for for friday it would almost be inarguable like as, you're on to something because it's like dodgeball it's a true underdog story yeah. this is a, 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 a film <laughs> that was counted out they didn't want to give the money you know they got conned to, to hiring coppola at every turn they didn't want pacino you know the studio was against it you know i mean but you know and and literally coppola's and and bob evans you know, got this thing done and just even getting, you know, Henry Kissinger to show up, you know, at the premiere and Ali McGraw, he was who he was basically, you know, sleeping with Steve McQueen, but he needed her there for the press. I mean, everything about it, it's pure Hollywood. And then, he, they, you know, he makes what is one of the great movies of all time, you know, and, and, and that you say you watch it again and again and again. I don't care what that kid says on White Lotus. This is not just a thing for <laughs> men. This is a movie women love. This is a movie kids love. Everyone love. My son is my favorite movie of all time. You know, it's like, uh, and then Godfather 2 is, you know, it's the Empire Strikes Back of that franchise. Oh my God. Dude, that last shot of the Godfather Part 2 haunts me. Mm -hmm. Haunts me. Where they're waiting it is, for it's one of the most perfect shots in the history of cinema. I mean, well, the last shot is him sitting in the park alone. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, exactly. Yeah. Because it is, it is the should have been the end of the whole thing. Large, like cinematic. That was a real coda. Michael Corleone coda. That's Michael Corleone. The man who set out to protect his family and keep everyone together at the end yeah. is left with nothing. He yeah. is left mm -hmm. alone. I mean, it's yep. perfect. This, he got this, everything he wanted and nothing. Yes. This brings up another movie that I want to submit for uh, Friday. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> always, always undercutting. <laughs> what? what are you talking about? <laughs> I just want to show how... how, how can reach your mind. How erudite you were. Um, no. No, of, of course, you know, the screenplay for Patton was written by Francis Ford Coppola, and it was on the, uh, well, arguably, on the strength of that being nominated uh, for an Oscar that uh, got him the job to do The Godfather. Um, and I love Patton. Mm -hmm. uh, you couldn't have picked it for Tuesday? No, I couldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it was my third pick. Oh, um, okay. Patton is so great for a number of reasons. Uh, first of all, it's a tiny story with an immense background. And that's what makes it so powerful to me. It's because it's not, it's not the story of World War II. It's the story of a man trying to live in it. And it's so well done. There are so many uh, layers of intricacies of Patton as a human being, uh, as a as a warrior, as a man out of his own time that uh, is so poetic and beautiful. And of course, Goldsmith's score is truly amazing. Uh, and technically, the movie is done amazingly. I mean, the, the, the ability to sort of replicate these famous battles from World War II is frighteningly real. 
And uh, the fact that uh, George C. Scott is chewing the scenery everywhere uh, and doing such an amazing job at becoming George S. Patton, mm -hmm. it's truly phenomenal. And, and it meets uh, the Ashley test. Repeatable. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I just watched it a couple of weeks ago. It's, Isn't uh, it sad that Franklin Schaffner doesn't get the kind of, isn't treated the way these other movie gods are. Absolutely. I mean, it's Patton, Planet of the Apes. I mean, it's just like, this guy was an extraordinary director. He made yeah. it look effortless, but he didn't have a unique style, right? right. He, he, he matched the material so perfectly. And so he's not lauded the way some of these other great directors are. And it's really a tragedy because he was amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, much like uh, Robert Wise, he did mm -hmm. movies in so many different genres so well because he was a he was a workman director. Mm -hmm. He was able to, uh, you know, uh, uh, put his own stylistic choices underneath the surface and serve the meaning of each film uh, greatly. Um, it, Patton, I think, is uh, such a uh, it's. It, out of its own time. It's a movie that is itself out of its own time. Mm. Uh, and it's a terrific film. It was my dad's favorite. It was my pick oh, for it's Father's great. Day week. It's, um, so it's, it's hard for me to argue with that. And, yeah. and you know, from, from frame one, uh, through the uh, amazing uh, introductory speech uh, of Patton to the troops before they uh, are uh, assigned and go off to war, truly amazing. And you talk about these these um, these directors who who aren't legendary directors, but just managed to hit it out of the park. And of course, Michael Curtiz is one of those. Sure. Uh, and he did that obviously with Casablanca, which is a film we've had on the show before. But you know, growing up, I think it was on TV every three weeks, so it wouldn't be uh, remiss of us to include Casablanca <laughs> on the show. <laughs> but I, I think we we have some great options here. We have Godfather One, Godfather Two, and um, Patton, those are all great options. Well, I'm going to throw in a little curveball, a, a, a best picture winner that I watched for the first time last year. I, I try to fill in some blanks, you know, space out my uh, my my revisits of my favorite films or or guilty pleasures with mm. movies I've never seen. And I watched two best picture winners last year that I never saw. One of them. <laughs> was Tom Jones, mm -hmm. which to this day, I do not understand how the hell that movie won Best Picture. It's I thought it was kind of terrible. Sure. Um, but the one that I really liked was Marty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, which yeah. was, you know, written by uh, uh, Patty Chayefsky, yeah. uh, starring Ernest Borgnine from, uh, from Escape 1955. From yeah, and it's just, and, you know, you talked about small scale. I mean, this movie's 90 minutes long. You know, it's adapted from a, a television, yeah. you know, a, movie. A, a television play. Yeah. Yeah. Which and it's, arguably you know, is better. Yeah. It's a tight little story. It's a beautiful little relationship, you know, story about these characters. And yeah. I, I thought it was marvelous. Well, Ernie Borgnine's great in it. You know, I, I got to tell you, I, you know, I think Friday on Oscar week, we got to finish with, you know, crescendo. You know, we get, we got to hit it big, right? Um, but that's a great pick. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a great film. I mean, uh, here's, here's how I, how I'm kind of breaking this thing down because I, I think you properly identified like what the, the finalists should kind of be Mark and what's the rubric for, for what Friday should be. I mean, we, we picked Godfather two at some point last year. It doesn't mean we can't again. We can um, do whatever we want. It's a, it's a great film, but I, 
I don't know. I feel like if we're going to do Friday and Oscar week, we got to pick the one ring to rule them all. I don't mean like in the Lord <laughs> of the Rings way. You already picked it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if we're going to go there, right, it's like something that says, as Steve said, something true that has like real dramatic weight, something that represents all of the categories, something that has stood the test of time, rewatchability. Um, I mean, the duck of death. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yes. No, I mean, it is, it's hard for me. It would be hard for me to argue in favor of anything over the Godfather. Okay. Friday. I, I was going to make a case for the sting, but you've convinced me. I, I, I agree. I mean, the Godfather is, it's the consummate movie. It, it passes the channel changing test like Jaws, like a couple of other key movies that if you're, you know, going through the channels, and you come across The Godfather, you're not changing the channels. That's you're right. watching it. It looks it like vegetables, end. but it's actually dessert. <laughs> I, I just want to mention one more. Uh, for basically opposite reasons, this movie Crash. is almost completely untrue. How Green Was My Valley? No. But it transports us to a time and place and introduces us to such interesting characters that we cannot look away. I've watched this movie upwards of, you know, a couple hundred times and I love it. And it's, it's not true. It's Amadeus. Oh yes. It, that was last week. That was the play of the thing week. Wrong. <laughs> It's it's so good. The performances are so good that you are you are on the side of the uh, of the villain in the movie. I don't know. Too many notes for this for me for this week. <laughs> I'm dead. Uh, that's I, I'm a dead. <laughs> Amadeus. Amadeus. It's one of my favorites of all time. Yeah. No, Amadeus is a great film. Yeah, I don't love Amadeus as much as you guys do. I I, I like I said I like the play well, you're better. From New but- yeah. yeah, I mean, we, I like we, the play better. I, I did pick Amadeus uh, in a previous, uh, might have been you did. Can't Stop the Music Week or can't something Can't Stop like the that. Music, yep. yeah. I, I, I adore Amadeus. I mean, you know, some other, like The Last Emperor, I really liked. Absolutely. It was kind of a quiet film. Um, yeah, it's good Silence film. of the Lambs. I mean, talk about yeah. a pure popcorn, perfectly engineered, constructed entertainment. I love that movie, but I was shocked when it won the Oscar. I, I didn't think that was best picture. I loved it, Wait, but I didn't do you think, think Prince of Tides should have won? I mean, I, no, no, I'm not a big Bugsy? fan of pantsuits. Yeah, I would have picked Bugsy over. I would have picked Bugsy. Oh, no way. Oh, I, you're insane. I, I like Bugsy. I like <laughs> Bugsy insane. more. I like Bugsy more. <laughs> I, I, well, speaking of unreality, I was kind of pulling for JFK that year. <laughs> oh, me too. Oh, no. I, totally. In a heartbeat. I, a heartbeat. I would have picked JFK Stop over that. My mom will shoot JFK. I love JFK. <laughs> I talk about a movie that has no basis in reality either, but he's still amazing. Uh, um, Stop my mom will shoot JFK on the waterfront. <laughs> I love JFK. <laughs> I mean, French Connection, you know, another classic. Yeah, we'll save that um, for Car Chase Week. You know, I always <laughs> liked The Man for All Seasons, but it, it really feels like a play. It was adapted from a, a play, yeah. I believe. Yeah, we didn't mention that last week either. That's correct. Uh, uh, you know, uh, My Fair Lady. We had that last week. All um, these plays. Hollywood Dances with plays Wolves. Back in the day. Dances Hollywood with loved wolves. the play. We, we didn't talk about Wings. Dance with Wolves, great Road movie. House. What? What? 
What? Roadhouse. I just couldn't hear what, what you Roadhouse? said. Roadhouse. He said Roadhouse. It's based on a play. It's oh my god. Based on a play. play. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. That's the Dollhouse. I, Patty Chayefsky. <laughs> I get wow. so confused. I, I revisited uh, On the Waterfront last year. Another terrific. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's great. Yeah, terrific uh, drama. <laughs> and for Black and White Week, Henrik Ibsen's <laughs> The Roadhouse, <laughs> and uh, and Best Years of Our Lives. I I finally mm, watched that a yeah. few years ago because I thought you know yeah, that's a good pick. This, how did this movie beat It's a Wonderful Life? That I watched like okay, I get it. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It it turns up sappy to eleven. Okay, well we're almost at the ninety minute mark, so I think we, we put it pick. to the vote. How do you vote, Sarah of Vulcan? Darren, what do you think? I I think we got to go for Godfather, one or two. Uh, probably one because of the magic of Al Ruddy. Steve, you agree? <laughs> yeah, I think we've picked it for a Friday before, but you know, it's power is undeniable. So, I mean, I, I'm always up for watching The Godfather. So, Ashley, are they making you an offer you can't refuse? <laughs> um, you know what? I think, um, I am gonna, uh, you know what? I've got to leave the gun and take the cannoli. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so Friday, it's going to be The Godfather. The winner is The Godfather. <laughs> How about that? You know, we, look, we talked a lot about The Godfather this last year. You know, we got quite a kick out of uh, the offer uh, about the uh, talk about a movie that has no basis in reality. That's right. Um, <laughs> uh, how much we've enjoyed watching the offer, um, which was uh, uh, not rewarded at the Emmys. Um Surprisingly, not. And um, and but what a great week! What a great week! And 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 you know, obviously Oscar week. Hopefully this year the magic will be back. And um, you know the COVID, the pandemic, the worst of the pandemic is behind us. So people will be on the red carpet and people will be there. And and you know, hopefully Rob Lowe won't be doing uh, Snow White. And we'll all be fine. So uh, so anyway, this is exciting. This is an exciting week. Why don't we recap our picks starting with Monday? Steve, open the envelope. What are we looking at? What have I done? It's William Holden and Alec Guinness and David Lean's The Bridge on the River Kwai. And on Tuesday, Darren? Lawrence, he <laughs> comes from Arabia. He lives in the desert with Omar <laughs> Sharif. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia for the win, Alex. And uh, <laughs> on Wednesday, Ashley. On Wednesday, lords will ring. Kings <laughs> will return in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, mm. Return of the King. And on Thursday, it's arachnophobia. Oh, wait, no. It's, <laughs> it's, it's lobsterphobia. Lobsterphobia, yeah. <laughs> well, no, because she calls him over the apartment because oh, of the, right. the, the, spider, spider. the spider in the bathtub. The spider in the shower, yeah. Yeah, yeah, see, so I went for the deep cut. See, but that's but you're the right. two towers. No, We're yeah. serving lobsters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. So we'll never look at lobsters the same way again. And then on Friday, we're making you an offer you can't refuse. It's The Godfather. My father's no different than any other powerful man who's responsible for other people. I had this part in the picture. It puts me right back up on top again. This Hollywood big shot's gonna give you what you want. He says there's no chance. 
I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. You know my father? Men are coming here to kill him. Now you want to get mixed up in the family business? I thought you weren't going to become a man like your father. I never wanted this for you. Fredo, you're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. Ever. Michael, do you renounce Satan and all his works? I do renounce him. Don't ask me about my business, Kate. Is it true? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. No bloody two, three, or soda. <laughs> and all the oranges you can eat. <laughs> that's right. We suggest you eat it with an orange. Um, well, oh, that's oh, yeah. it for wow. this week. I, I got my... Oh, look at that. There you go. For those of you who can't see Steve Melching at this very moment, he is wearing a piece of 430 Movie apparel with the beautiful 430 Movie Godfather logo brought to you by the great Darren Docterman. And if you want to own some genuine, authentic 430 Movie swag, where can you go, Darren? Well, for the 430 Movie stuff, uh, go to 430movie.com and click on swag. 430movie.com. And for the rest of our uh, wonderful swag, uh, go to... uh, trexpertsplus.com and you'll find a link there as well. Wow, that's a lot of great swag. Show off your pride. You're full of swag. <laughs> yeah, with your 430 movie and inglorious Trexper stuff. And if you come to one of our convention appearances in authentic 430 movie inglorious Trexperts swag, Mark will make will eye get... contact with you. Well, yes, I'll make a, I'll, I'll I'll make eye contact on you theoretically. Um and uh, we'll see. We'll see. It remains to be seen. But uh, we'll have some kind of something for you. I don't know what, but we'll give you a little something. A little uh, thank you. A little like thanks for supporting the show. Um, we'll give you a water bottle. Which could we'll possibly a- include me making eye contact and gaining to talk <laughs> to you. Give a sly uh, little nod. <laughs> exactly. A little knowing look. Like, okay, you're a listener. That's cool. <laughs> a little smirk. <laughs> and then Aaron. <laughs> then Darren will have you. a long... Deep conversation. I will not. No more long, deep conversations. I learned my lesson. <laughs> well, listen, I will this is with you my martini recipe. <laughs> Fantastic. So, there. So, when you arrive at the convention, go straight to Ashley. He's waiting. He's anxious to meet you. <laughs> okay. So, this is this a great week, guys. Next week, we're back with an all new fantasy theme week. Tell us what it is, Darren Dockerman. Oh, I don't remember. Something good. It's the Prince of Tide. Oh, that's right. It's, Denzel uh, Washington week. We got Denzel week coming up. Denzel. 
Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, calm, calm down. We'll, we'll get to the picks next week. This is how organized we are this week. We actually know what we're doing the next week. <laughs> this way Stephen can do his research. So um, anyway, we want to thank you for listening. Of course, uh, we'll be back next week with an all-new theme week. We encourage you to listen to our sister show, Inglorious Trexperts, every Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can subscribe at com. And of course, uh, our uh, other shows, uh, Deck 78, which is for our Trexperts Plus subscribers only. And uh, enjoy the returning Trexperts briefing room where Peter and Lisa take you inside the making of various Trek episodes. They're back, and Darren and I may even drop in with Ashley to surprise and delight you at some point very soon. (laughs) So until next week, on behalf of Steve Melching, Ashley Edward Miller, and Darren Docterman, Eyewitness News starts now.